Hi again, I'm Shauna Larker. And I'm Mario Antiveros. Thank you for listening to Artist and Rights. Each episode brings a group of artists around a table to talk about what art can do. They share strategies for reaching across the boundaries of their discipline, how they build bridges, how they work collectively, and how they create supportive conditions and opportunities. Episode four is entitled, What Solidarity Feels Like? Unlearning, Finding Alignment, and Being Uncomfortable. We welcome back artists Cognate Collective, Vishal Jodeo, Alana Mann, and Patrick Staff. And Mario is our moderator. In today's episode, the group picks up their conversation and works to define and reframe the idea of the artist. We want to remind you that this session was recorded back in February 2020, before COVID-19 had a name and before the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor sparked a global movement for racial justice. And yet this conversation addresses the present in so many ways. They discuss what solidarity looks like and the complexities of collaboration, assessing different levels of need across groups and understanding the time and work to achieve transformation. They acknowledge that it very well might be necessary to be uncomfortable. The stories they share span working with women vendors in a market in Tijuana, collaborating across continents with a trans person in India, partnering with non-artist tech startups in LA, and maintaining and activating criticality towards art institutions while working within them. They talk more about the need to reimagine art history and to look beyond art institutions to find guidance. Yeah, and they also grapple with the need to undo and unlearn what they were taught in school and identify this as a key step in the decolonization of the mind, a concept introduced in the first episode by Todd Gray. Hmm. And what I take away from this episode is that the future must be built on a foundation of solidarity, that careful collaboration and reciprocity require dialogue and risk. It can take time. You can find more information about this podcast, the artists, and their work on Extra's website at extraonline.org. I mean, I guess I was actually really interested in the where we left off the conversation um, and talking about different types of collaboration and reciprocity, but then um, also this this idea of sort of like setting up some kind of relational structure that you can kind of return to. Um, and just thinking about that in relationship to this larger question of urgency and, um, and actually tying it into a previous conversation about um, slowness and interdisciplinarity and cross like knowledge sharing and production and how those things kind of unfold um, and I because I was thinking about some of the work that I've been doing in India which has you know been over like four years and I which is a place that I cannot get to like you know by driving or something and so it's had to sort of really kind of mean like learning new structures and for me and my work, like a, that type of collaboration is mm. really actually new. And it's really interesting to then learn. And also the people that I'm working with are not artistic, are not necessarily connected to mm-hmm. uh, art per se. And so just thinking about the way those, like how that type of knowledge production can kind of actually happen um, in a way that is sort of mutually beneficial or mutually sort of... Um, generative um, and I guess I don't have any question or thought but I, it just was something that I was sort of it felt like at, towards the end of the 
previous conversation, we kind of got to this place where I could just feel all of these ideas sort of coexisting <laughs> between us here. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I would I would be interested to ask you quite specifically about the work you've been making, because my understanding is that there's a sort of main protagonist or a main mm -hmm. person that you've been working with who, to my understanding, is trans. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm interested, I suppose, in a way like whether whether your work acts as a vehicle for them to get somewhere, but maybe also what that relationship is between working in the US and India. Totally, um, yeah. And how that, like the kind of nitty gritty of that I am yeah. actually really interested in. Well, it's it's actually quite interesting because it came up this, when I was in December in India shooting, like I realized that I, just in making the work, I kind of hit a real like road bump because I realized that actually Vikram, who I've been working with, um, in a way, over the course of time, our sort of desires in relationship to one another sort of shifted, where I realized that actually I was becoming more and more interested in Vikram's political engagement. Mm -hmm. and, and because in all the while that we've been shooting together, there has been, as was mentioned earlier, this kind of rise of the sort of like of this kind of uh, ethno-nationalism, you know, within India. And that's actually happened just sort of in the backdrop of this process of us working together. Mm -hmm. And so, and because a, a lot of Vikram's work actually has to do around um, sort of political activism. But what came up in December is that I realized that actually Vikram is far more interested not in leaving that behind when we work together and actually more interested in exploring self-representation and mm -hmm. and and in exploring being represented actually and like seeing themselves like in image form mm. represented to who do you think well that's an interesting question and I, and that also came up a lot this time where i realized because this person so it turns out that in the last few visits is actually um, it has been revealed that it's more, the work has been more about a relationship between Vikram and this other person. Mm -hmm. So there's a sort of a second central protagonist. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, uh, but what I realized was that because Vikram actually's uh, mobility internationally is prevented by the fact that they don't have a passport mm -hmm. um, and it's been very difficult to gain a passport and which partly has to do with being trans and like and going through the kind of methods that it will take to get these kinds of government documents, um, that that what it's produced is that there's actually like they have a real sort of um, imagined idea of who who a viewer is or who an audience is um, because the work has not actually circulated. I mean, it hasn't because it's very much in progress. It hasn't circulated broadly any regardless, but. And I realized that we came up against that where it was sort of like, who is this imagined audience that, mm -hmm. that, that you have? And I realized that Vikram was sort of constantly thinking of a particularly white outside audience. Mm -hmm. And then when I sort of also had to make the point that it was that the audience and those that I found were more, that have been interested in the work are actually not necessarily white. It's actually very intersectional and very diverse who, who they're in conversation with, but this kind of funny notion of a sort of an outside mm -hmm. eye mm -hmm. became really interesting to me and also like a total complication. <laughs>
that I knew was there, but I don't think I had looked at to such an extent. But I, yeah, I don't want to say too much more because I know it might sound, it might be a bit uh, esoteric to an audience that doesn't know exactly what yeah, it is that we're talking yeah. about, but. <clears throat> yeah, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Does that resonate? Yeah, I mean, um, it kind of resonates with me just in terms of as a project's going with a collaborator or a partner, then the desires change or the desires you realize them more. Um, I just was collaborating with this uh, feminist um, activist artist group that works on issues of gender in Japan and Korea mostly, but Asia in, in like broadly. Um, and something that kept on coming up um, over time, like, you know, I sort of invited them, hey, let's work together. And they were really excited and we started working. But then this roadblock or issue with working with them was for them, it's so much about direct action. So it's like, mm -hmm. how is what we're doing together going to be part of a campaign that we're um, doing? Or how are we going to apply it? to um, our work and, um, uh, and I was really interested in that too but as an artist it was like well I, I don't know and I can offer you this um, and I still really want to work together but um, you know like this is also going to exist in a gallery at some point as well and, um, and so that was just a space we had to negotiate um, and they were like um, oh, this thing's happening right now, and we have to make something for it immediately. And it was like, well, but we're not done with our project. <laughs> and so there were these urgencies that were happening um, and these unpredictabilities of just the political situation, like, oh, there's an election, and we don't know how that's going to be resolved or what issues that we're going to focus on or whatever. And it was like, well... I can't, as an artist, I can't respond that quickly to, <laughs> to that, like, election in a few weeks or whatever. Um, so that goes back to temporality, but also to, like, just uh, collaboration and urgency, different urgencies and so on. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I also, I, I start to think about, like, different also just notions of like solidarity mm -hmm. um, too and now I think for us there's like we have a clear notion of what solidarity looks like um, and what it means to enact that and then like walking into each I think collaboration that we undertake with folks you realize like oh actually we have to have a conversation about that again because that means like really different things for really different people. So mm -hmm. yeah, like dialogue um, is I think like really fundamental to determining what solidarity looks like in each collaboration and then what representational strategies, stra mm -hmm. strategies around that mm -hmm. um, are could necessary. You, could you just yeah. like maybe describe two different solid, I'm just curious, so curious yeah. about the different solidarities so I think about, um, like, so for instance, a project that we did really early or fairly early on in Tijuana was working with a group of Mixtec women um, who have a collective called Mujeres Mixtecas, um, which is based in um, Valle Verde. Um, 
And they are women who are mostly from the state of Guerrero who moved to the north uh, to work largely in the manufacturing industries and the maquiladoras. Um, and many of them, uh, like after working in the factories for several years, started families. And um, once they had children, were um, like fired from their jobs. And so they needed to find a way to supplement their income. And so they started a collective where they would um, make clothing, like make school uniforms for children in the neighborhood um, and also um, start to do like um, embroidered blouses. So kind of like traditional um, Mexican embroidery. Um, and they wanted to sell those blouses at the market, um, at, at the um, Mercado Artesanías de la Línea, which is like the artisan market of the borderline, is what that translates to. And so at the time, um, we had this space. Um, and the, so the other complication is that there was like a moratorium on like permits for vending. So when they would take their blouses to sell them um, for, you know, like... 15 or $20 or whatever, which would be like a substantial um, profit that they could make to take home. Um, a lot of times those um, products or their um, blouses would be like confiscated by the authorities in the Garita because they didn't have permits. To have a permit, it's like uh, three or $400 a month. I mean, something like just do in dollars also. This is like not pesos. So these uh, women, because of just like structural, uh, like racism and sexism, were just completely shut out from vending um, in, in the space, right? And, and we got to know um, some of them and sort of befriended them. And so what we realized was any product that was finished from within the space of that market, because this, the space, the physical infrastructure was um, permitted, that product was then permitted. So it's like if you finished it there, then it was like legal. It was like, um, you know, like it was sanctioned. Um, and so um, what we did was we invited them to do a residency with us where they brought objects that were like mostly finished. They do most of the infertility like at home in the in, in their collective. But then a few people at a time would sit in our space and they would finish the embroidery. And then because it was finished there, it could be sold there. Mm. Um, and so that's, I think, like a relief like direct form of solidarity where we were like, yeah, you need a, a space to sell, you need a space to produce, like here we have one. Um, but I think other times it's been more like, could you just help us edit a video and like take some photos and actually like we need to, or um, I think working especially with uh, like immigrant rights campaigns in Orange County, it was more just like, yeah, yeah, like the people at the forefront of this need to be, the families that are impacted need to be um, folks who are, um, yeah, who are like fighting the deportation of their loved ones, which we understood. Um, but so it's not, the space is less a question and it's more like all hands on deck, what are the kind of spheres of, of reproduction and producing like images and language that um, create platforms for folks. So I think like in, I mean, a, like a, yeah, maybe just like a faster way. No, but you asked for specifics. Um, is just to think about like what are different platforms and like scales mm -hmm. of of platform, um, and how do you like co-author those? I guess is a question we ask. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but also this, I, I think it becomes a thing about learning to negotiate what scale of change you're invested mm -hmm. in right. as an artist, uh, and whether that coincides with the person that you're collaborating with, mm -hmm. right? Because I think like mm -hmm. oftentimes. Uh, working especially with activist organizations, the 
scale of change is immediate, right? It's like direct action, it's the now, it's the campaign, it's this law. Like yeah. it's a very specific target. Um, whereas I think especially working from the realm of art, and we're thinking like cultural, social, we're thinking about like radical change uh, in the sense of the Mart Jose Marti sense of going to the root of the issue and to go to the root of an issue to really like dig something out like, mm -hmm. you know, white supremacy, like that's that, that's the scale of transformation and the time that that's going to take is, is a lot different than mm -hmm. the kind of immediate need that is at hand. So I think like making that connection and straddling that is is definitely a challenge but i think that that's like a really interesting question for that we've been interested in in, in trying to address mm -hmm. and trying to develop things that could potentially try to do both maybe maybe not always at the same scale or, or at the same level of intensity mm -hmm. um but that i think are conscious about that uh the relationship between those two scales and yeah like the the different levels of need Mm -hmm. um, and, and what is ultimately needed for change to take place. It's funny, I've been working, I suppose, with a, in, recently in a, in a very different set of conditions or with a very different set of stakes than necessarily ones we've been talking about so far, in that I've just kind of come out of working on an exhibition in the UK um, at this institution, which is, um, I suppose, within the British context, occupies a very large level of visibility, you know, and, and kind of, um, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a gallery that is publicly funded. It's in the middle of like the biggest park in London. So it's visitor figures are insane because there's just like dog walkers, families, tourists, whatever, like coming through the door constantly all day. But they also deliberately, um, as a way to sort of survive as a, as a publicly funded institution, do a lot of very like visible public they have like big galas and you know um caught a lot of like celebrity stuff and then they do shows with artists like marina abramovich like they go for these big like summer blockbusters every now and then and so i was invited to do a show obviously as like one of their kind of off-season emerging artist moments you know um which is fine but it also like um you know, for me, on the one hand, represents a sort of um, paradigm shift or something of going to a, a level of visibility that has not previously been available or something. Um, but also knowing that that invitation comes with a certain, on the one hand, desire to, to absorb a criticality within my practice, you know, to be the institution seen to be exhibiting these critical works, while at the same time, for me, having to enter into that situation and know that in reality they're going to try and wriggle out of me directly uh, speaking to them as an institution, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and as a, as a British artist who lived in London, studied in London, like this institution also, to me, always represented a certain place in the, in the ecology of like British arts or something. Um, and so I entered into it knowing that I um, wanted to somehow find a way to be like critical of the relationship between that type of institution, a certain idea of a public, a certain position as it connects to like a broader British politics, mm -hmm. um, almost in this very like hometown or like home country kind of way, you know, and it was like, 
it's just you know it's just me making like sculptures and videos and whatever um but kind of trying to find a way to retain a critical agency within a structure that really doesn't allow for very much um and that actually a lot of those strategies ended up being about having to find ways to kind of go under the under the media or under the surface a little bit um and kind of flip it from within and it's such a difficult complicated position to be in um and it's also um i suppose like working in that context i think puts me in greater proximity to the 1% or a greater co connection to a certain echelon of the art world when i feel that my personal politics are far more invested in a certain solidarity that is like the 99% and particularly like working within the gallery wanting to deal with um not even about bringing them into the work but having a relationship with the team that work in the office the people that work on the front desk or whatever um but realizing that i inherently represent someone that goes back and forth between worker and um like doyen of the <laughs> of these wealthy people you know so it's like at the gallery dinner i'm seated at the top table generally feeling very like alone but also uh in a huge position of privilege i don't know it's like such a complicated position to find oneself in when you don't just want to fully give yourself over um to this like financial capital extreme money laundering <laughs> like mm -hmm. hell that is <laughs> that version of the art world mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. um and it, there's there's no real like answer to that but i'm i guess i'm struck in this conversation that maybe i've been dabbling in different pools or something <laughs> to what we've been talking about so mm -hmm. far um and it's just really difficult it's really hard Yeah. Um without wanting to be like boohoo poor me. Yeah. No, I mean I was thinking about that just in following your previous question about, you know, um was this yeah, this question of I mean in a way this work has been so weird and complicated for me that I've been working on because in a way it doesn't feel like it has a a home within that kind of 1% or 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 I'm co cognizant of 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 what a what a kind of conflict intention that feels like at its core or mm -hmm, something mm -hmm. and that actually it complicates this question of solidarities or something mm -hmm. like that because actually this i think we're also getting to a point in knowledge production where we're understanding that everything is just specific and mm -hmm. we don't always have to be looking for these kind of global linkages mm -hmm. between mm -hmm. things mm -hmm. and sometimes that's a sort of that there's a there's a there's a sort of a Imperial, like a neo-imperialism to that kind of that that desire for for constantly finding sort of like solidarities or or um yeah uh so it's a, yeah it's a, it's this really really yeah that's when things get really kind of complicated and almost irresolvable yeah 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 and i find myself i don't know how this is for you guys but i find myself often looking for models or ways of being often with like older artists or people and often feeling like it falls very short you know um desiring to find a way to be like okay how do i um how do i retain making the type of work that i make but it moves is starting to move into these different mm -hmm. um contexts and 
wanting to then um, speak to these like senior artists who which I feel like you probably work with a lot of them like wanting to be like <laughs> how do you keep doing this but actually like no one is ever really able to mm. offer much um, solace and um, mm -hmm. also feeling very much like you start to see people um, not want to um, trouble trouble the conditions you know like for instance uh, without wanting to like get messy and sort of name names like I had a really negative experience with a large institution last year when I was beginning to work on a show with them and I was at the same time being involved with um, the workers at the museum who were unionizing like I went into the institution and immediately went to them and said okay I've been invited to do this show please let me know what I can do to be in allegiance with you guys and like work with you and subsequently I was treated very badly by the senior um, senior management of that institution um, and ended up pulling out of the show and it was very lonely you know because I, I wasn't part of the union I'm this I'm this artist worker who sort of temporarily temporarily passes through the institution um, but I didn't really feel like there were any other artists that I could talk to to even have some sense of solidarity like we're talking about. Um, yeah, it's my therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> I once heard this um, really big curator say like, yeah, we have to give space for this political work, otherwise those artists will go after us, like as in a museum. Yeah. <laughs> And that was just so... Institutional sustainability. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of dissonance, and then we get back to business as usual. Exactly, yeah. Um, and I was just, it was, I was really young at the time, and I was just so shocked mm -hmm. to hear, because this was also um, a curator that I really, like, re had respected mm -hmm. and been like, mm -hmm. oh, she puts on such great stuff. And then I was like, oh, it's just, th that's why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think part of my strategy with that has been to also work in non-art spaces. Mm -hmm. And um, that has its own loneliness, mm -hmm. too, <laughs> um, because you're the only artist. You're like this kind of weirdo with these weird ideas, mm -hmm. you know, and um, you don't have that communal understanding that maybe you do with other artists or as professionals. Um, and the art world doesn't care at all mm -hmm. about what you're doing. But at the same time, the people that you're working with and the community that you're working with are just totally stoked most of the time or just like um, are really, um, you know, or surprised and curious at least if they're not stoked. <laughs> um, and, and so that's been just a nice back and forth like I just did a residency at the Los Angeles Clean Tech Incubator downtown and um, you know yes I was kind of like this weirdo artist that the, these startups didn't really know what to do with but at the same time um, I was meeting and engaging and collaborating with people that were thinking about like the, um, the environment and impact um, they're also thinking about capitalism and money, but like, <laughs> um, but they were thinking about these like social causes that were, it was so inspiring to me just to think about impact in like a different way. Mm. Um, um, and to think about different things rather than like, 
oh, who is getting written about in X publication or who just got X big grant or like who is in this big show or whatever. Um, but it is it is hard because and that loneliness because, you know, like like I said, most of the art world just doesn't care what happens outside of its walls. So mm -hmm. Hmm. I mean, do you think it sounds also um, connecting some of the previous conversations that we've had? One of the topics that has come up, which I hear again here, is each of you are rethinking the notion of an artist and that the very idea of entering into a conversation with a community as I'm an artist often can foreclose a discussion or even foreclose solidarities. Mm -hmm. um, but then I hear the, way, the various strategies that you've had about trying to reconfigure in the work that you're doing with others, what an artist can do as opposed to what an artist is. Um, and so those solidarities can happen maybe because you are pushing against those traditional notions of what an artist can do or should do or might want to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, I, um, I was thinking about this recently um, when John Baldessari passed um, because I was thinking about like, oh, just my own work and, and his work. Um, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm so, my interests are very different, but also related. Um, but I was like, I'm not, as I get older, I'm like not as much interested in like art history in terms of like, as an artist, how can I speak to art history and like invent something new? Cause I don't really think that, I don't really believe in that anymore. <laughs> um, but like, I am thinking about like, as an artist, what can I do? Like what's possible? How can I like instrumentalize like my activity, my vision, my role and like make things happen um, instead of like working so much with like art history as like my goal. I guess. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know how you guys feel about that, but. I, yeah, I think I feel very, like, absolutely resonant with that. I think, like, one of the weird, it, I don't think it, I think it was meant as a, it was a compliment, but it feels, it, I don't know if it was, like, an artistic, com or, like, a compliment on our artistic, like, acumen or whatever. Um, but, so we had this, in the market space that we started out with in Tijuana, we had, like, a rat problem. Um, which was like bad until we got a cat, Walter Mercado, um, Walter Benjamin Mercado was the cat's name. But so we would like, but uh, whenever we would arrive to this stall, I would have to like sweep up all of the like rat droppings and like filth and we would have to do all this cleaning before we welcomed people in. So it was like a whole like project of like disinfecting before we could uh, like start to make art, you know. Um, and so one day, um, a couple of the shop owners were just like watching us um, because it was particularly bad. And they came over and they were like, you know, before we met you, we didn't know that like artists worked hard. <laughs> because it was like this kind of romantic idea of like the solitary artist in like a studio or something like toiling in their mind. Um, and I remember we we left because I think implicit also to that like compliment was this like you're doing this wrong like you don't like 
nobody taught you how to art, right? Like, you know, like, this is, like, very, um, yeah, and I, and I think it goes back to that, yeah, like, the, the expansion that you're talking about that is kind of divested. Like, I think maybe more interested in art is, like, work, and so then what can, like, work do right. um, in, our, in our practice that I think we're interested in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel very resonant with that. Yeah, so back to your student, it's like, it's like, yeah, art history is totally important, but, or and, (laughs) like, you can be, you know, invested in these other histories or in these other ways of working or being Mm -hmm. that are informed by, but not, like, held, captured by or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've been really interested just in how fragmentary things have become or something, like, in a really... Actually, I think that that's a positive thing. Like, is you know, um, I don't know. It's it's and it's interesting to see how these things shift. Like, I was thinking, you know, about um, like the MoMA's like rehang of their collection and this kind of like, you know, and in certain ways there is something quite beautiful and impressive about actually how they managed to sort of begin the process of sort of decolonization or something of their own kind of collecting practices. And yet, um, I remember having leaving the museum and thinking, I don't think I remember any like art of indigenous folk in that museum and and then speaking to one of the curators and 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 I actually kind of appreciated his response. He said, well, we weren't going to just go willy-nilly and throw in some things. We, re- we have identified that research needs to happen, and this is going to be a longer process before we start sort of whatever, telling that side of the story or something like that. And it all felt, you know, sort of complicated to me because I was like, well, yeah, I mean, like, is this institution the one that we want to actually do that work or like, well, you know, why do we actually hold this institution so centrally as in terms of its, its importance? And like, will, is there, you know, when we see this institution attempt to include the global South in its story of art or, you know, include, um, histories of, 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 you know, black artistic production in the United States or things like that, is it also always framed, like, in relationship to the central canon? And it truthfully is. So, yes, there's some impressive shifts, but I don't know that we actually see a kind of erosion of that sort of very deep-rooted column of, of kind of, like, canon or something that mm-hmm. even the word inclusion exactly <laughs> even the, and that's where it's sort of like you know i think um that's you know like these the processes of decolonization or or inclusion or etc like 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 i don't know how possible they are within these institutions unless we completely dismantle these institutions mm-hmm. in a lot of ways you know um because they really risk just becoming, you know, I don't know, there's always this sort of risk that something just becomes this kind of, or it fits too carefully into also neoliberalism. Yeah, I've just been struck by um, the the last few Whitney Biennials and like how, 
reticent that institution is to just even opening up space for conversation of dissent. Like, you know, let's all just, maybe we won't change anything or whatever, but like, let's have a discussion. You know, just like there's such a stranglehold on, on the communication or discussion that's possible. Um, and that's, that's hard, I think, for me. It's, it's, mm -hmm. um, it's frustrating as an artist. Mm -hmm. um, like with each biennial, it's like there's a new controversy and then, but there's no like, okay, we, <laughs> we're just, we acknowledge like, you know, our, our shortcomings and, and like we're opening up space. Um, yeah, so. But then it, you know, it kind of reminds me of like the Academy Awards conversation or something like that. It's like, but then we all are still sort of playing along by centralizing the importance of this thing. Yeah. Like actually, maybe we just like have to, like similar to the Whitney Biennial, like it's like, why, why have we, why are we as a, as a sort of culture so attracted to kind of these, these like things that represent excellence or rec represent the kind of tower that one wishes to, you know, it's sort of like, like we can shift the character of it, but actually just our aspiration towards it is already the, the thing mm. that needs questioning or something, mm -hmm. you know. But don't you think each of you though, I mean, I, I wonder if just there's also a pressure of you, to, there's the politics that arrives with accepting that invitation, but then you're not limited to just that space. I mean, part of what it, I hear you all saying is that you're working in multiple tiers, multiple art worlds, and so sustaining that engagement with a Whitney Biennial, but also recognizing that there are other art worlds or art centers or art relation, relations around art that matter. And so part of me feels like, well, why would I want to give up that? I actually want to be able to intervene because that's not my only intervention. And I'm just wondering, mm -hmm. because it feels like that's, there's the pressure about sustainability is also the exhausting part of it is, but if I, if I could only just focus on the Whitney Biennial, amazing, right? But the fact is that each of you have all said that, but I'm not just interested in that. And so it's like trilingual, right? I mean, it's not just a bilingual practice, it's a trilingual practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to think about it politically, it's like, oh yeah, like recognizing that the state isn't the agent of transformation or change, mm -hmm. but you still vote because mm -hmm. it could be a lot worse, right? Like <laughs> the kind of how do you make the institution potentially less violent mm -hmm. even where it's like it's not even transformative or decentering it, but like how do you make it enact violence slightly mm -hmm. differently, slightly less mm -hmm. injury mm -hmm. upon bodies of color, upon histories, like how does it not erase them? Uh, even if it isn't the institution that will celebrate them or like will preserve them in any significant way. Um, yeah, it's a very low bar, I think. <laughs> in, in I know, minds, I know, right? It's just like, how do we just not make it harder for ourselves to, um, yeah, to, to exist um, as bodies who have been for so long erased and not centered and, um, yeah, abused in, in different ways. Um, yeah, so it's definitely an all hands on deck also kind of situation where you kind of exist in as many different forms as you can. I think like this comes up for us sometimes in relation to like, oh, like, how do you define your work? Like, is it border art? Is it like Chicano? Is it Latino? Like, it's like it can be whatever you want it to be, whatever is going to allow us to 
I think, exist and facilitate as, as much connection as possible. Mm. Um, so it's, it's also like, I think what I sensed in some of the conversation earlier was like this kind of um, recognition of, or like this, this needing to be cognizant of not being instrumentalized, right? Like whether it is by the institution or even by community groups that, that are sometimes, you know, just seeing labor as, as that and not as like something that is tied to a greater political end. Um, but sometimes I, I think we do maybe turn that um, into like how to make the, how to instrumentalize like certain resources within an institution, uh, how to mobilize resources that wouldn't be available otherwise. Um, so I think that, I don't know if instrumentalize is the right word, but maybe like activate or maybe redistribute, mm. thinking in Marxist terms, <laughs> some of those resources. But um, yeah, like how do you tap into these, to as many pools as you can, given that the scale that you're trying to especially, I think, navigate these different scales of change. Um, yeah, and, and that can be a tricky thing because you often end up being in a position where you can also be instrumentalized and like... Mm-hmm. So it becomes a, a complex negotiation. I really appreciate practices like all of yours, and I just would love for artists to not just use their creative energies on the artwork, but also use their creative energies in like the presentation of their artwork, in their thinking about their careers in general. And I feel like sometimes creativity is just um, segmented towards like a studio situation. And I feel like they're like in all aspects of one's life that creativity could be and career that creativity could be applied. Can you talk a little bit about unlearning? Because the other part of the other thing that sort of have come up is this, I mean, part of what we've learned through graduate schools and institutions is how to work within those, how to perform for them and to make deliverables. But I also like the strategy of, of reflecting action, reflecting unlearning, which were some of the key words that sort of came up. And just as an unlearning strategies, each of you have sort of found different ways, whether it's with a student or a gallery or in a neighborhood setting or in your gallery that unlearning, it's sort of an unlearning process in real time of, but this is what I've learned as an artist I'm supposed to do, but now I need to unlearn those Mm -hmm. and rethink and come up with different strategies to sustain my practice. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, I think that all of my moments of unlearning have been preceded by some sort of fuck up, can I swear? Like, <laughs> like it's, it's rare that the sort of unlearning happens from its own like meditative, holistic moment of like, okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, like, yes, yes, I sort of, you know, one, one easy example of that is that I went to an art school that based a lot of its teaching in deeply like combative and competitive models. Mm. So we were really encouraged to be kind of like hothouse uh, you know, you, you win a crit by kind of tearing down a pier. And there was a, it, that didn't require me to have some awful experience. Well, it was an awful experience in itself, but <laughs> leaving that school and being like, oh, actually I really need, do need to undo a lot of what was taught to me there um, about how I relate to other artists. Um, that I suppose is not necessarily one where uh, uh, something catastrophic had to happen, but 
I, I do think that more often than not, it comes out of um, an experience with a gallery or a collaborator or even a simple interaction with a senior figure within the art world or something like that, um, where I've most often walked away and been like, okay, actually, I really need to undo what I've received as being this is the way the art world operates yeah. or this is the way that um, I am meant to behave as an emerging artist or this artist or whatever, you know. Um, yeah, but I wish there was a... Um, I wish there was an easier way to to sort of like implement that unlearning <laughs> mm -hmm. rather than what feels genuinely kind of it comes out of trauma or something. It's funny. Um, my mother used to like come with us to a lot of like openings and events and um, to like, yeah, she's just like a very supportive lady. And I thought it was really funny because once she was at an opening and there was people who like I really respected and kind of admired there and sort of like these senior artist figures. And um, but my mother didn't know who like anybody was because she was like a social worker. Right. So she like and worked like in social services and education. So she was just kind of there like for the party. So she had like her glass of Chardonnay and was hanging out. And then um, she was so then she started I was doing something and. She started, she went over to somebody whose like work I really admire and was like, oh, hi, like, you know, I'm Marta Arteaga, like, nice to meet you. Um, like, oh, well, what do you do? You know, oh, you're not, so is my daughter. What do you, like, what, and so she started like leveling these really like, <laughs> kind of like brutal critiques without like meaning to, just like in a very like mom way of like, Oh, well, my daughter does that kind of thing, too, but, oh, like, oh, but if it's a collaboration, why are you directing it? You know, like, these kinds of things where, like, I was like, whoa, um, like, whoa. And I, I felt like, actually, yeah, like, inviting, I think one of the ways not from trauma that that's happened for me in my life is just inviting people close to me who I have love for into that experience so that I can, like, see it through mm -hmm. their eyes. Um, and I, I think that goes back to like the point about interdisciplinarity and just kind of like other, like inviting other kind of epistemes into, mm -hmm. <laughs> into, because I was like, oh my gosh, like I, yeah, thank you mom, but also like, <laughs> whoa, like I don't think you understand the kind, like that that maybe was like hurtful or something, <laughs> like, I don't think, and it was meant, it wasn't meant that way, but anyway, so. That's incredible. Sorry, maybe that's a question. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love it. That's, uh, that's actually a perfect story to sort of wrap us up. Yes. <laughs> okay. That's really, really great. Yeah. Well, thank you, everybody, for being here today. And we'll be in touch with you. Thank, thank you. you, everybody. Yay. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> thank you, Mark. Thank you for listening. If you want to learn more about the artists or join in the conversation, visit extraonline.org or find us on Instagram. This series was made possible by generous support from the California Arts Council, Arts and Public Media Grant, the Michael Asher Foundation, and KCET's Artbound. Recorded at Catasonic Studios in Echo Park by Mark Wheaton with production assistance from Sarah Ellen Fowler and Kara Hart. Thank you to Shaolin Dub for our theme song and Florian Decros for our interstitial music.